This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com you are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss To The Top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey, presented by 4th Street Bar in Hattiesburg. We are here with your break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. We are brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar in Hattiesburg. They've got specials every week for Monday Night Football, Chili Dogs, beer specials on Bud Light, Dos Equis, Michelob Ultra. You can also play football bingo for prizes. $20, 128-ounce beer towers, and Thursday Night Football as well. They've got beer and food specials going on. Don't forget their plate lunches and their sandwich of the week. The 4th Street Bar is your home for all Southern Miss sports. If it's televised anywhere, they will find it and have it on. Not to mention the best Southern Miss memorabilia collection you will find. Visit our friends at 4th Street Bar on 4th Street just off Highway 49 in Hattiesburg. All right. So we've got a great show for you lined up for you guys today. We got a guest coming in from Western Kentucky to talk a little hilltopper football, give you a little preview of the upcoming game this week. But before we get to that, let's update on this past weekend's game, the Golden Eagles taking on the Roadrunners of the University of Texas San Antonio. Uh, it was a it was a hard fought battle. You know, it kind of felt like there were a couple of times where we could have blown it wide open and just weren't able to make it happen. UTSA stayed in the game. They played hard. They played tough. They kept it close there into the second half. But the Golden Eagles coming away with a 36-17 victory over UTSA. A couple of notables from this game. Um, let's look at some of the individual stats here. Jack Abraham. 22 for 34 for 290 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, and was sacked one time. Leading the way on the ground, DeMichael Harris, 16 carries for 128 yards, two touchdowns. Well, I guess that's a net of 121 yards. It doesn't matter. Two touchdowns along a 56, averaged 7.6 yards per carry. I mean, he just... There was a couple of times him and Quez had a couple of explosive explosive plays, not to mention Kevin Perkins. They just kind of blew the game wide open. So a great game for run DMH. Also, Kevin Perkins, eight carries, 65 yards, one touchdown with a long of 39. Uh, receiving, Quez Watkins leading the way, seven receptions, 137 yards, one touchdown with a long of 77. That's the one he where he broke it wide open. Tim Jones, eight receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown as well. Absent from the game, Jalen Adams, not sure what the story is with him, but uh, did not make the trip apparently. Don't know the circumstances around that. Hopefully he'll be back soon, or hopefully we can at least get an update. Um, total tackles, you had three Golden Eagles with ten total tackles. Uh, Kyle Hemby, Swayze Bozeman, and Rakeem Booth. 
interceptions. Shannon Shower, Shaky Showers, international DB of mystery, had one interception. Also got called for a targeting call that appeared to be a little bit bogus. Uh, you know, he goes in there. They're tackling the quarterback. He kind of comes in almost with the back of his shoulder <laughs> and hits him. And they called a targeting, ejecting him from the game, which also means he will not be playing in the first half of this week's game against Western Kentucky. But a solid defensive performance, a solid solid offensive performance, not our best either way, but, you know, we'll take it. We struggled a little bit on third down, um, but we got the job done. Total offense, Golden Eagles with 493 yards, giving up 422 yards to the road runners. And the road runners had a couple of busted plays where they scored on. Uh, the first one, they scored a touchdown. It looked like Hemby just kind of missed the angle on the tackle, and they were able to rack up a little more passing yards than than would have been likely. But we held them under under 100 yards rushing, held them to 97 yards on the ground on 37 attempts. That's averaging 2.6 yards per carry. So we'll take it at this point. And I thought Zach Everett did a great job um, kicking the ball. So, I mean, excuse me, punting the ball. And, and I thought Andrew Stein did a solid job kicking the ball as well. So, we'll see what happens moving forward. It was good to come out of that game with a victory. Um, you hope that we can just keep building on the momentum and keep getting better. But, you know, not our best game, not our worst game, but it was a win. And so, we will take it. Let's take a look at the Conference USA standing. So, one of the things that we needed heading into this week was we needed – a loss for Louisiana Tech. If it didn't happen this week, it was going to be tough for it to happen. And the day before the game, and I think they actually came out, yeah, the day before the game, there was some chatter that there were some some suspensions for Louisiana Tech heading into their game against Marshall. And it ended up being true. Their quarterback, Jamar Smith, as well as a receiver and linebacker, both suspended for the game against Marshall the other night. And also... Uh, they will be suspended. Well, two of them, the quarterback and the receiver, will be suspended for this week's game against the uh, UAB Blazers. So, if you look at the standings right now, so Marshall defeats UAB at, I mean, defeats Louisiana Tech as needed. That elevates. Well, uh, that what's the opposite of elevate? That brings. Tech back down to earth <laughs> with a five to one record in the conference after the Golden Eagles winning against UTSA. They are also five and one in the conference. So as far as the west west side of the of the division in Conference USA, um, it's Tech, Southern Miss, and then UAB at four and two. For UAB to win the west side of the conference, they would need to win out, and they would need for us to lose out. That and we are pulling for UAB this week because we need one more Louisiana Tech loss so that uh, we can have a shot at the at the Western Division crown. If Louisiana Tech uh, gets past the Blazers this week, they will have their quarterback, Jamar Smith, back to take on the UTSA Roadrunners, who have kind of bounced back a little bit this year. I mean, they, they're 3-3 three and three in conference, 4-6 and six on the year. Not the best season by any means, but I think they're doing a little better than it was anticipated that they would do. On the east side, you've got Florida Atlantic at 5-1, Marshall at 5-1, which I believe Marshall has the tiebreaker, and then Western Kentucky at 4-2. I don't know uh, what all these scenarios entail. It seems like right now the most likely scenario is that Marshall will win the east, 
regardless of what happens, but, but try this on for size. So let's say that Florida Atlantic wins this weekend. Let's say that Marshall loses to Charlotte. And let's say that Louisiana Tech falls to UAB. And Southern Miss defeats Western Kentucky. So if those things happen, what you could be shaping up the week after that would be Southern Miss versus Florida Atlantic. The winner gets the host gets to host the conference championship, and the loser likely would not even play in the conference championship. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the next couple of weeks, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers coming to the Rock this weekend. And without any further ado, let's get down to it. Got a special guest on the show today. Please welcome Ross Shercliffe of the Towel Rack. So last weekend, the Hilltoppers defeated the Arkansas Razorbacks 45 to 19. How big of a win was that for the Western Kentucky program? I think it was big for multiple reasons. A, I mean, it got them bowl eligible. So, I mean, number one, just in the short term, you kind of race to the uh, stink of the Sanford era and kind of get the program back on track. I think anytime you beat an SEC school, as you guys know through your history, that it's, it's a big deal. Um, you know, even no matter how bad they are, I think we're still riding some some wins over some crappy Kentucky teams that might have combined for two wins or something like that. And people still talk about it. So, you know, you know, 10 years from now, we'll talk about, Hey, you know, we got our fourth SEC win against Arkansas and no one will remember how bad that team was. So, and then really just the, the whole tie story back to Fayetteville uh, storyline was just amazing. I mean, I was at the game and he had all his family and friends there and, you could tell he played with a chip on his shoulder in that game, and it was kind of just cool to see to see him kind of put the final nail in the coach that ran him off. So, tell us a little bit about the story and how he ended up at Western Kentucky. So he was, um, you know, I, basically he only started his junior year for the Hogs. I think he was kind of a part-time starter on a two and ten team, recruited by Bioma and Chad Moore's kind of felt his way out with him his freshman year and I guess he never really stood out. So he brought in uh, two grad transfers, one from SMU, Ben Hicks, and one from I think A and M, Nick Starkle, and he kinda saw the writing on the wall and kinda ran him off. So I think, you know, Tyson Helton came in after Mike Sanford and he saw the quarterbacks on the team and, you know, he saw Steven Duncan who ended up starting the season, but he saw, hey, we need somebody to push him. We need somebody who's gonna compete and kind of an insurance policy in case of an injury and lo and behold story came in and he's really stepped in flawlessly in the last nine or since game four so the last I guess uh, the last six or seven games and he's kind of worked his way up from game manager to really uh, just kind of the senior leader of the offense that's you know getting a little bit better each game. This is Tyson Helton's first year at Western Kentucky. What can we expect to see out of a Tyson Helton football team? So, uh, I mean, I think most of us were expecting, at least starting off, similarity to the Brom type offense. You know, he was the offensive coordinator in 2015, the team with Brandon Dowdy that, you know, just lit up the scoreboard, beat Southern Miss in the uh, championship game, and, uh, you know, really lit it up. I think he got here and realized he doesn't really have the horses to do that, especially offensively. So, I mean, he kind of felt his way around the offense. We're probably missing a playmaker or two for the offense to really explode. But as the season's kind of kind of 
uh, moved to buy and as he's gotten more comfortable with the personnel, you're seeing a team that's pretty balanced. You've got, you know, Gage Walker is a really good running back. who will probably top a thousand before the end of the year. Then you've got obviously a, a tie story led uh, passing game with a couple senior receivers, a couple uh, sophomores and juniors throwing out the uh, roster. And he kind of, kind of spreads it all over the field. He doesn't really try to depend on one player or the other. And you kind of can tell box score to box score where, you know, he'll, he'll try to, if it's, if something's working, he'll go back to that. If it's not, he'll, he'll uh, mix it up. So. You mentioned the offense, but it seems like what this Western Kentucky team is hanging their head on right now is the defense leading conference a USA in the uh, amount of points allowed per game. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you came into the season, uh, Helton retained probably 75% of Sanford's defensive staff. So there was a lot of continuity from last year when you had a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Now they're sophomores and juniors and seniors, and uh, they're really taking off. I think the player that really sticks out more than anything is D'Angelo Malone, who's probably in the running for uh, Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. You know, he plays defensive end. He's got 77 total tackles, which is tied for the lead of the team, which you, that's unheard of from a defensive end position. Nine sacks on the year. He's all over the field. If he's having a good game, the defense is pretty much iron tight. Lately, against, uh, you know, as the schedule's kind of hardened, teams have really been double teaming him. He hasn't been as effective, at least from a sack standpoint, but he's great. Uh, you know, his his partner in crime, Juwan Jones, another really solid defensive end. And then, you got a couple linebackers and safeties, Kyle Bailey, Devin Key, uh, Nickelback, Antoine Kincaid, that are kind of tackle machines that kind of go over the field. This team isn't really great in the linebacking core other than Bailey, but they kind of swarm, do a little bit of bend, don't break, and then they kind of rely on, they rely on big plays from their defensive front as opposed to turnovers to really, uh, to really disrupt other teams' uh, offenses. So what is what is your story, Ross? How did you get to be a Western Kentucky fan? Well, um, kind of a little bit by birth, a little bit by luck, and um, a little bit of everything. So both my parents went there in the 70s. My mom was from Bowling Green. My dad was from Louisville. But, you know, basically, as you kind of know, with most Conference USA schools, you're not really ri- – you, unless you're in Hattiesburg or you're in Bowling Green, it's really hard to be raised that way coming out. So I was kind of a Louisville fan growing up. Still, I am kind of a secondary, but mainly, uh, you know, probably around the early 2000s, they had those really good basketball teams with Dennis Felton. He took them to three state NCAA tournaments, and all their games were on here in Louisville. So kind of got into them then. That was middle school, high school, and then uh, went to school there in 2006, and, uh, you know, it was during the FBS transition. So we were awful in football, but basketball, we made the sweet 16. And then, so had, you know, just a little bit of love over time. And then, uh, you know, ever since college football's kind of taken off, basketball has kind of been competitive, but not up to the standard. And it's just, you know, it's been fun seeing things like, uh, you know, beating Kentucky, going to bowl games, conference USA titles. Like when we were still one double A, my first couple of years of school, it's just, it's totally nine day different. And then a couple of years ago, Fletcher Keel, the previous manager of the Tower Rack, asked me if I wanted to start writing for them. And you know, I was, I'm, you know, for anything where basically there's two or three media outlets here. And I was like, why not? Why don't we give it a shot? I mean, why do all the big, why do all the big schools have, you know, like five or six blogs? Let's give our fans a place to go congregate. And 
I guess this past year, I kind of took over the uh, website on a day-to-day basis from Fletcher and, uh, and we're really taking off. So, uh, you know, it's great cheering for the underdog and, you know, we're a pretty successful underdog as we're usually competitive in most sports. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. So tell us about the tower rack, basically a, a Western Kentucky blog. Yeah, it's a Western Kentucky blog fan site. We're kind of the voice of the fans and we specialize in, in football and basketball, but we cover, you know, lady tops, basketball, a little bit of volleyball, baseball, just some nonsense, stuff like that. Um, you know, we've been around for three years now, kind of build it up from the grassroots and it's, it's a struggle some days as it is with any, any labor or love like that, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it kind of enhances the fandom and it's a really good place where, you know, on our little, you guys probably know to the top talk that, you know, we got a little corner of the internet that, that is, you know, diehard about Western. It's cool to give the fans a uh, outlet to geek out about it. So. High expectations this year for the Western Kentucky basketball team. What what do you expect to see out of the Hilltoppers this year? To me, this is the tournament or bust season for Rick Stansberry. So you guys probably know more than just just as well as anybody in the conference that Rick Stansberry's came in and brought a lot of hype. You know, five star recruits, top recruiting classes, but they've kind of come up short. And I would say every season he's been there first year was kind of a wash with uh, Harper leaving a, a crater, but, you know, two years ago, they made the NIT final four, you know, lost in the championship game and a heartbreaker to Marshall last year, the team underachieved massively, but still made it to the finals against ODU and just couldn't come through this year. He's kind of finally got a mix of talent, experience, and depth. Uh, they're still waiting on a point guard transfer from Lipscomb, Kenny Cooper, I think if he comes in, it's, they're going to be overwhelming favorites. But, you know, you have Charles Bassey in the middle. You've got Josh Anderson, who's a four-star junior. You've got a couple big transfers in Cameron Justice and um, and Carson Williams from, you know, around the area. And then you've got Tavion Hollingsworth, who's already passed 1,000 points in a little over two years. So you got you got tons of depth, depth talent, and experience. And, Really, you know, the the knock on Stansberry is he can recruit, but he can't really coach. So this is a really kind of a put up or shut up year. Not saying he's like in any trouble to lose his job or anything, but I think fans are expecting, you know, it's been seven years. It'd be like Southern Miss not going to a bowl game for seven years. I mean, fans are just itching to get back to the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, that was kind of the knock on him at Mississippi State. I mean, always had some great recruiting classes. I mean, he had a couple of really solid teams, but um, yeah, you, I certainly can understand how the seat could start to get a little hot if he if he's not successful this season. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Hilltopper football. Let's backtrack to that again. Uh, this season, he started off with a uh, unfortunate loss to Central Arkansas, but since then, kind of bounced back and really put yourself on the map as being a team to reckon with in Conference USA East right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would put a little bit of that loss to Central Arkansas on a little bit of first game, you know, coaching issues. Like, they were cruising, if you look at the box score into the third quarter, they were up, I think they were up 14 or 10 points or something like that. And they basically just, everything went wrong in the fourth quarter from missed field goals to, you know, DBs being beat deep. And basically a team that 
forgot to win under Sanford, just kind of reverted back to form in the fourth quarter of that game. But Tyson Helton, you know, you can just tell the really big difference between him and Sanford when it comes to poise. You know, he doesn't really, he doesn't really uh, get too high or too low, and he just knows, okay, I'm going to do what it takes to win, whether it be leaning on a defense, opening the play up as time goes by. I mean, even in their recent losses to Marshall and FAU, they kind of stormed back from being down by. 14 plus points in the third quarter and he they've basically been in position to win every game except the Louisville game this year and even the Louisville game was somewhat close so I think some big things are in store for WKU I think you know step one was get back to a big get back to bowl eligibility you know I think you know split these last two games I mean it's going to be a tall order in Hattiesburg on the road you guys have a great team you know uh, the Rock's a tough place to play but you know, if if they can hang with them offensively, I feel good about that game. And then after middle lost to Rice uh, this past weekend, I think that game's a, a must win just to get to seven and you don't have to put uh, the ball in anybody else's hands. So, we, You know, this is our first game against the Conference USA East school this season. Uh, how do you see that Conference USA East race shaking out? I think, I mean, obviously you look after, after this past weekend and, you know, if you erase, you know, Louisiana Tech's personnel issues, I mean, Marshall's in the driver's seat. Uh, you know, they own the tiebreaker against FAU, but I mean, I could see them slipping up. They're, they're getting a little bit better. They still play a tough, uh, Charlotte team that can score. So if Marshall doesn't, uh, if Marshall doesn't close the season strong, FAU is waiting there in the wings. You know, I think Western's pretty much eliminated, especially after this past weekend, because uh, the other two teams aren't in a tiebreaker. But I mean, I think it's it's probably you know I think really you go to the top five or six teams in Conference USA East or West. They're all pretty similar. They all have their flaws and warts, but they all have areas they're good at. I think most of the teams in the East have really good offenses, uh, and and the West really, and there's there's kind of just have some playmakers, some bender break defenses, and some a little bit of a uh, little bit of weakness too. So I mean, I think you know, especially after this past weekend, I think whoever wins Conference USA is going to have a minimum of three losses, and uh, you know, it would it would not a terrible year for the conference, but I, I wouldn't say it's a great year either. So, well, Ross, we appreciate you coming on the show. Do you have any final thoughts on the upcoming game this weekend? Uh, I mean, I think. I wouldn't be super confident about this game as a Western fan, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic. I think Southern Miss's arc or Southern Miss's offense and quarterback really scare me. Um, I think defensively you guys have, have been prone to uh, give up some points. So if Western can keep up offensively, you know, keep the game in the twenties or thirties, they have a shot. But if, if Southern Miss is clicking, then I, I'm a little bit worried, but, uh, you know, been to Hattiesburg, it's a great town. I remember I uh, had a buddy who was there, went to Glory Bound Euro Company, and it was it's a cool place. I'm sad I can't make it down there this year, but uh, you know, I, I would if it was up to me, we'd play you guys in UAB every year because I think you know you guys are close. You guys care about uh, care about football there, and you're not like a million hours away like the Texas schools. That was Ross Shercliffe of the Towel Rack. You can follow him on Twitter at the Towel Rack WKU. Thanks for coming on the show. Really enjoyed it. That's going to be a tough t- task this weekend for the for Southern Miss. I mean, they you know 
that's a pretty stout defense coming into the Rock. We owe them that game coming up this Saturday, November 23rd, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. If you're watching it on TV, if you're in the vicinity, we fully expect you to be there in the Rock. It's senior day. It's a blackout slash lights out game. They're going to wear blackout unis. Southern Miss 7-3 on the year, taking on Western Kentucky 6-4 on the year. As of right now, as of this recording, the line, Southern Miss is favored by 5.5 points. The all-time series, Western Kentucky leads 2 to nothing. They, they caught us that first time in the Ellis Johnson year, and then when we uh, played them in the 2015 conference championship, uh, they defeated us as well up there in Bowling Green. So we, we owe them. I mentioned Blackout Uni. So this has kind of been rumored for a while. I feel pretty good about these rumors. I feel like they have some legs. But we're going to have a new Blackout Uni this weekend. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know if they're going to leak it before it comes out. But you will definitely see it this Saturday at The Rock. Wear your black. Uh, we have a, If you don't have a black shirt. I don't know that anybody that does not have a black shirt or does not have access to one, but we'll give you a, a way to get one here at the end. Well, two ways. The first way, actually, is if you buy a ticket, you can get these throwback Southern Miss shirts. I think there's a promotion going on right now. It's, it's the old USM Eagle logo on a black shirt. It looks pretty sharp. And also, if you join our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash to the top talk, uh, anything $5 or over, we will give you a black to the top talk shirt. They are the canvas brand. They're pretty sharp. They're not going to, you know, fade as easily as some of the cheaper ones. So it's a pretty, pretty solid shirt. I think you'll enjoy it. So check out Patreon and let's, let's make it happen. All right. So Southern Miss basketball this past week, the golden Eagles took on North Florida. That game was on ESPN plus falling to the Ospreys by a score of 66-63. I thought that we played a, a really solid game. You know, we had our moments, but the effort was there. As, you know, it's going to take some time for these young guys to gel. But leading the way for the Golden Eagles, he had two Golden Eagles with 13 points apiece, Tyler Stevenson and Arthur Conestuck. I think that's right. Kanunchuk. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to learn that one. <laughs> I have been impressed too with Boban uh, Jagdalmi the past the first couple of games of the year. I mean, this game he had ten points, uh, one steal, seven rebounds. I mean, he's really becoming a force inside for Southern Miss, and and you hope that that's going to pay dividends in the future because that's something we've we've definitely lacked a solid inside presence over the past few years. So this Tuesday night, the next game, it is it is part of the battle for Atlantis. Uh, but not actually in the tournament itself, I guess. So the Golden Eagles will be playing this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. That's Tuesday, November 19th at Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. No word on whether or not Tim Floyd, James Green, or Larry Eustachie will be there, but hopefully we can put forth valiant effort. I don't know what the line is. I think it's going to be pretty high, but hopefully we can, can go up there. You know, you'd love to see a win, but again, I just... I don't really have too many expectations for the team this year. I'm just, I've enjoyed watching them play so far, though, so I will say that. Then, next Sunday, the revenge game in Hattiesburg at Reed Green Coliseum at 2 p.m. That's on Sunday, November the 24th. The Golden Eagles hosting the Crusaders of William Carey from South Hattiesburg. Um, I'm sure they'll have some ticket promos for that game, so be sure you come out. Let's pack the greenhouse. 
have a great time supporting Jay Ladner in this new incarnation of Southern Miss basketball. Then next when the following Wednesday, so that's the night before Thanksgiving, Southern Miss playing in the battle for Atlantis in the in Nassau, Bahamas. This game will be on ESPNU. They will be taking on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who I believe are a top 10 team right now. <laughs> so we'll definitely have our work cut out for us. That's Wednesday, November 27th, 6 p.m. ESPNU, and then the bracket will fall out from there. On the women's side, the Lady Eagles currently are 3-1 and one on the year. This past uh, weekend, they had a game at University of Louisiana Monroe where they came away with a 57-42 victory. game was on ESPN+, Plus. if you were able to check that out. Great effort from the Lady Eagles. It looks like we should have a pretty solid team this year. This Tuesday night, 6 p.m., Tuesday, November 19th, at Reed Green Coliseum, the Lady Eagles host the Lady Rebels of the University of Mississippi. So that game is at 6 p.m. Uh, tickets from 5 to $10 should be a great time. Come out and support Lady Eagle basketball. All right. I think we have enough episode this week. Let's shut it down. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. Be sure to follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington and Jason at bumper J Bailey. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Got to give our shout outs. Shout out to four street bar in Hattiesburg. Go check them out. Jason was at the watch party this past weekend, had an amazing time. College sports Shout out to Brian Renfro, Susan Bailey, the men of Sigma Chi, the Theta Delta chapter, the men of Pi Kappa Phi, the Theta Alpha chapter. Shout out to my man, Kevin Rogers. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash to the top talk. You can give us a little, I believe it's $5. Uh, and if you do, we will give you a black to the top talk t-shirt. And you also can run advertising and other things on there as well. So this Saturday at the rock, you guys come on out. It's going to be Southern Miss, Western Kentucky, Saturday, November 23rd at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN Plus. First time that the Hilltoppers will be making their way to the Rock. So let's pack it out. It's senior day. You know, these seniors went through a little bit for us. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I definitely want to get there early and show our support and our love for them. Look for To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe. Give us a rating and review. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss, to the top.